Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. You're your host. Hey Voyagers, this is part two of an interview we had with Ammon Anderson. If you want to listen to part one to catch up, please do so, but we're going to continue with Ammon's story. Thank you all so much. Went through a whole lot of stuff, and I ended up selecting the op as my publisher. And they're an incredible team. Um, uh, and in fact, it, it came the next day. The next day is really where I met the op. I had not heard of them before. And uh, I was being like harassed by publishers who wanted to play my game the next day because they had heard about what had happened the night before. And I was so overwhelmed. I literally just... Uh, Brent looked at me and he goes, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm actually like freaking out. And he goes, dude, why don't you go like grab some food? Like, go take a break. Like, just take off. I'll like, just go hide. So I was literally like heading to the bathroom to just like get away for a minute. I needed a break. And I was passing the table and there was this really cool thing on the table and I was immediately drawn to it. I stopped. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. I had an idea once to do something like this. And that's where I met Tony Cerbiani. Um, Tony was with the op and he goes, how are you finding the convention? And I was like, dude, like this place is crazy. Publishers won't leave me alone. And he goes, why? And I said, well, I have this game called Numb Hollow and it was under my arm in a little plastic case. And I showed it to him for a second and he goes, well, that looks interesting. He's like, they're really interested. And I was like, dude, I told him what I had just told you. And then the guy across the table from him started laughing and said, you know, he's a major publisher, right? And I was like, oh crap, I'm so sorry. And as I'm backpedaling to try to like get away from the situation, He's like, dude, do you look like a guy who could just use some coaching? Like, do you need, like, someone to talk to? Like, I'm not going after your game. I just want to talk to you. And he became, like, a like a real friend that week. Um, so uh, he ended up being a friend, and we talked for months. And, like, as the buzz just grew and grew and grew from convention to convention, like, um, he was always that person that would, like, call and be like, how you doing, man? Like, are you keeping your feet on the ground? This is crazy. This doesn't happen. This is not normal. You picked one of the the best possible fits for it. I think it's really great and they do a really great job. So I'm I'm even more excited to see where this game goes. But on top of that, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, building the prototypes stuff like that because it's not very easy. But it sounds like you have a special skill set for that. So yeah. you obviously do stickers for the meeples. And then you have custom meeples on there. Did you literally yeah. 3D print the meeples? Did you did you do woodworking well, on this? Like, how did this happen as far as other prototype builds? So they're 3D printed meeples. Like, you know, there's a lot that goes into making a game that people don't think about. 
one of those things is like, yeah, how do your components interact with each other? And so like you look at like a tile placement game yes. and you have these tiles and what's on the tile is important. And then you have to be able to place because I have a worker placement system built on top of that world. Right. So like if your little, little meeple mm-hmm. is blocking off all the things that you're supposed to be seeing, well, then you have a real problem, right? Like, so yes, it, this is really like a yes. design issue. And so um, I worked for 18 years for a fortune 100 as a corporate designer. And I worked on large projects and I worked on small projects, but uh, one of the things I did is I right. worked on special projects. So I would like build prototypes of things so that I could show the printer what I wanted it to look like. And um, we worked on fun things for like PGA tour and like, we worked on stuff for NFL and we worked for all these big companies. So having a printer do something wrong was bad. So that our prototypes had to be like top notch. Yeah. Cause we're spending like a quarter million dollars on a product. Yeah. Right. Of course. And what a really great experience that can turn into a bonus for something else. Like just having an experience where you're building prototypes is, is a valuable experience for everything else in your life. Same way that, you know, I was in school and I was in studying advertising and graphic design is part of advertising, right? So that's part of the deal. And I was making physical ads and I was making other physical components. And that led to my, the graphic design set that I have that I can build my prototypes with today. So life experiences can lead into other bonuses that you don't really expect to have. So that's cool. So you were actually building physical prototypes yeah. for like the PGA tour and like the NFL and stuff like yeah. that. That's so it was, it was actually so interesting. Uh, pretty awesome. Like, you know, I was solving problems for like NASCAR shoots that went bad when the photographer screwed it up and I was the person they brought in to fix it. So, um, wow. I had all those skills and the funny thing is, is like some of the stuff that I put in my prototype, I never intended it to become part of the game. Um, so one of the fun things about, um, the prototype is that when I was shooting my video to promote it to, for, con- for contests, so mm-hmm. I entered the, the iron award and I had entered the, um, cardboard Edison mm-hmm. contests. When I was shooting my video, I couldn't get my little pieces to stick where I wanted them to on the board. There's a player board that like automatically mm-hmm. calculates your score, but it also like, you can select bonuses strategically. And so, like, it's, like, every time you select a bonus, like, it's actually increasing your score, which is really fun. And, but I couldn't get the little bits of uh, 3D printed plastic to go where I wanted. So I was like, okay, I'm done with shooting this video. I'm going to take a a pause. I shot it a bunch of times. And I came downstairs, and I 3D printed out a tray that would hold little magnets. I put little magnets in my pieces, and and I glued my art on top. And I was like, snap. And I'm like, oh, this is what I was looking for. Now it fits perfectly. Every time it's like going to yeah. snap into the right spot. And so I had these like these magnetic boards that were super fun. And then people were play testing with them and they're like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. Yeah. Yeah. When things work the way they're supposed to, it's even better. Like it, it's re- well, magnets, I think are satisfying. Number one, there's the fun things. But on top of that, yes, when things go where they're supposed to with, with ease and things work the way they're supposed to and things fit into place and stuff like that, it just it just makes the game that much more pleasant. Oh, yeah. Well, it, what it does is it like so there's a level of fiddly that people like, right? Yes. There's a level of fiddly. You're like, ooh, this is fun. I like to touch this piece. I like to put it where I wanted to go. And then, but then there's also a level of fiddly where you're like, oh my gosh, like, can we just, I want to stop like, uh, 
trading coins out for a little smaller coins because this is like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Making change, right, is not fun fiddly. But when you're fiddly, Agreed. is a satisfying fiddly and like it enhances your gameplay because you're like, we're talking about tactile experience at this point and UX design. And yes. I feel like we're starting to go into some weeds here, but I think it's really cool weeds. So <laughs> I think only some of this can come from playing, right? Like there are a lot of things you can do trial and error wise to find things, but then also there's a level of engineering that takes place. And I don't say that like the upper level engineering, yeah. you're not building uh, motor engines or anything like that. But when you think about how things fit together or how they interact, not just with the hands, but with the components in each other, and if you can make those things streamline or add a layer of interactivity that is natural or or feels natural, then that becomes a better experience. And yes, you're right. There is a fiddly that's that's not happy, the things you don't want to convert or things you don't want to mess around with. But if you make it fun to interact in that way, and magnets are one way to do that. But if you make it fun for the interaction, now I'm looking forward to the next time I put that piece where it belongs or yeah. move this piece to that piece or whatever. And that's a really cool thing too. And I think that's another way that games can improve in the future. We have you know, a couple of games out there. I'm thinking of the magnets in like Coloma with Johnny Pat Canton and how he made it so that when it moves, it snaps into place and it snaps in the right spot. Yeah. And I do worry that magnets will bring the cost of building your game up or a case of building a prototype at the same time. Wow. Does it add a level of fun to playing the game that you might already like? Well, it also like, so it it simplifies like actions. So like, yes, you're like, Oh, I want this one snap. Oh, Whoa. Like the first time people do it, like, it like, Oh, what the heck would just happen? And then they have to play with it. Right. But, um, Mm -hmm. it has that wow factor and that's what people are really looking for. Right. I mean, yes. we all remember, I think, when we walked in to a game room and we saw, like, uh, that ridiculous tree for, like, Everdell set up. Mm-hmm. So big, right? But, like, yeah. you had to walk up to that table and be like, what is that game? Yeah. <laughs> because it was, like, it's this huge tree, like, growing out of the table. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure it, like, actually enhanced gameplay very much no and in fact once i played with it once i never play with it again because yeah. but it does create a table presence it does invite people in it does add a little thematic bonus and stuff like that to it it just doesn't enhance play it doesn't enhance play but anytime i play with anybody in that game the first time that tree comes out i build the tree just for that first play that's right so and it like you know it sets the theme and it sets the mood and it like it, it combines gameplay and theme and everything into one um, yes. What I was working for with Gnome Hollow is specifically like I wanted something that was going to like not take away from that central garden growing. So in the mm-hmm. game, like there's a stump tile in the center and then everything's built off of that stump and it becomes like a public garden. So if you've ever lived in a big city, inner city gardens are like a thing. And so yes. you basically pay for like like a bed. You get one area and it's yours and you're working around other people who are doing their own things. And yeah, you can either have public things where you can share your fruit, right? Or you have someone mm-hmm. like, no, this is mine. Stay away. This is my area. And so, yeah, uh, it's kind of elbow room space. Cause like, there's not a lot of ground to plant gardens in. And so Gnome Hollow is kind of that, that concept. Everyone's working together and everyone's affecting each other, but no one's like stealing each other's work either. And so, 
I wanted that gameplay to, to kind of reign supreme. And so I needed a player board that really didn't take away from what was happening in the middle of the garden. Okay. So anyway, but yeah, like part of, I think why it blew up and why I got so much attention is I had a, a prototype that just like kind of was like, people were just like, what is this? Like you made this in your basement. Yeah. I made this in my basement. And they're like, we need to talk, man. Like we need to talk more. And so it, it's sort of like, Bree, not that long ago, because I told her, I'm like, dude, I'm like the luckiest guy ever to have this much attention on my game. And she said, no, you're not lucky. She's like, you just did all the right things in all the right order so that like, when you were in the right place, it could blow up. And so that was her. I 100% agree with that. And I and I was like trying to find a way to, to say you were wrong without saying you were wrong, because yes, I agree. Some people know how to do engineering, right? Some people can do engineering, but they can't do the gameplay. And some people can do the art, but can't do the engineering. And it sounds like you had a skill set from all these different aspects of your life that converged into one thing. And then all those skills that you used to create this thing that you loved and was therapeutic for you was then something that resonated with others. And so it only made sense for it to blow up. Um, You know, not to take it off a certain path, but there's another game designer named Kevin Levy who had a game called Ren Rainfall. And he was doing some cool engineering with magnets on his and the pieces moved around. He did some 3D things like this. His thing also got picked up by a publisher. And I think it's because not only was it a good game, but because he created an environment that the publisher could look at it and see what the potential for for table presence was as well as the potential for, for a cool factor and the tactileness of it. And I'm not saying every game designer out there needs to go out and buy a 3d printer and learn how to do engineering and stuff like that, but it doesn't necessarily hurt you as long as what it does impacts in a positive way where the game design is going and allows the people to play the game, to feel that excitement and that, the gist of what the game is just by looking at it and feeling it and touching it and then interacting becomes a pleasant experience. You have now taken it from level one to level four faster than most other people can. And so if you have skill sets like that, please use them. But you know, that doesn't work if the game doesn't support it. If the game isn't good enough by itself, then it's just a gimmick. And then people go, thank you for letting me play your game. And they walk away. So yes, I think you not only did what you needed to do, but you had a great game core that allowed those things to shine in the best possible way. And I think whenever you can get all sorts of talents to line up and converge on one point, people, no matter their taste preference, will still be impressed by the combination of things. Yeah. And quality breeds attention, right? Like the thing is, if it's not quality, it wouldn't have got the attention. If it wasn't built right, if it wasn't, a good design, then people would play it once and walk away. You know, there's, there's a phrase in advertising that I used to hear all the time, which is uh, advertising will make a great product, a bestseller, but advertising will also make a bad product sell nothing because it only shines a spotlight on what is already there. It doesn't actually create the product itself. No, that's so true. Like uh, if you go and you buy that product and you don't like it, you're going to tell people that it's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I totally agree with you. Like you used a phrase earlier, uh, that like imposter syndrome. And let me tell you, like, it is strong. Like I still like, I'm struggling with it like daily, but at the same time, like, I think that 
because I'm passionate about it and because like, like Gnome Hollow is really like a personal project. Like you said, it was a, it, mm-hmm. it was really, it was born from me having like a traumatic brain injury and like painting as a way to like be therapeutically like cope with like migraine. And so, um, like unless a person's had a migraine for two solid years, it's hard to describe like what I was going through. Painting just made me feel better. And then when I could see there was a game there and actually the, the concussion for a long time muddied up my ability to get the design right. So I had to actually shelve the game for about eight months at one point. Cause it was, wow. I couldn't cognitively finish the game. Um, right. It had problems. And so, but what I could focus on was the, the prototyping, which was really fun. And by the time I came back to it and I had solutions for the game problem issues, um, the game was really ready to fly because, like, the foundation was good. But at the core, like, a game has to be able to be... And, and no game is for everyone. No game is for No, everyone. of course not. If you think your game is for everyone, like, you're wrong. And I know that <laughs> it's not for everyone. Um, but I designed it to be accessible by the, the largest number of people that could play it. So every time it was going, like I tend to play pretty complex games. I like heavier games, like mm-hmm. games in the three to five BGG range. Right. Like, right. Those are super fun for me. Um, but I designed Gnome Hollow specifically a lot lighter for two reasons. Number one, I was in a really dark place in my life and in, in like this like concussion migraine place for like years so mm-hmm. I designed a game that was really fun and light and bright because that's what I needed because I had enough dark in my life with the, yeah. with the migraines. Um, but I also designed it because I wanted to make a game my wife would play with me and my kids would play with me. And so yes. they love it. My wife loves this game. And like other people, they're like, oh my gosh, I love this. My wife would play that game. This would be her favorite game. Um, I've taken it to lots of conventions and husbands and wives sit down and like they're both excited. And I've, I can't tell you how many times like a guy has turned to his wife and been like, do you really like this game? And she's like, yeah, I just beat you at it too. And um, <laughs> she's like, we're buying this when it comes out because this is so fun. I love this. I would play yeah. it all the time. And he goes, I gave my wife a play with me. This is so awesome. Um, or my partner, right? And so I tried specifically to like design a game that would really be accessible, but also I couldn't release a game that didn't have like some like strategic chops. So of course people get about a third of the way through the game. And that's when they're like, well, wait a minute. There's way more happening when I play as a tile in this game than I realized. And so yeah, light players are going to play it and they're never going to see those subtle, like strategic bonuses and benefits. But like, if you play my game, right. Every time you place a tile, it's doing two or three different things for you at the same time. Wow. I, I, <laughs> I've, I've not played it and I desperately need to now at this point. And I hope that our listeners are also feeling this. I got to try this out. I got to see what this is all about. And, you know, it sounds like you've got a very magical combination of things, which of course plays into the whole gnome aspect of, of the theme, which is great. But, uh, wow. Yeah. You're just doing the thing that all game designers dream of doing. It sounds like you have kind of just a 
an amazing, amazing, and it sounds like you deserve it. It sounds like you've been in a dark place. You've been some, some rough things. And it sounds like the life is kind of rebounding and giving you the other side of the rubber band, right? Like you gave the, the one side and now it pulls the other side, right? You get the yin to the yang now. So, uh, we're very happy to hear it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I, we'll see where it goes. You know, we never know, but the op is very optimistic. They feel like, man, it's so weird being able to say the op, like, yeah, it's actually really fun. Like I'm a publisher. They're called the app. Um, <laughs> it was crazy is I, I, I just saw their announcement cause I've had a head cold this week. And so I've been working on the painting and that's why my voice sounds a little whatever. And I just looked to see like at their announcement and they're literally showing off my original prototype. There's like, Hey, you want to see something cool? Look at this prototype. This is a little game we're yes. releasing at Gen Con next year. And the whole announcement is them literally showing off my original prototype. It's so crazy. Because uh, so much of this art is changing. Um, I've been working with um, their creative director and for like months. And they brought in Manny Vega. And if you don't know who he is, he is the designer of Flamecraft. They brought him in to like work with me on the lore. So what Manny Vega is so good at is, and, and working with him was like awesome. In fact, like he and I have decided that we're going to release a game together. We're going to co-design a game, which will be really fun. Love it. Love it. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I played his, his follow to Flamecraft. And let me tell you, like Flamecraft is a very accessible game. Yes. Follow up is like crunchy and fun. Like it's oh now I'm drooling. Thank you so much. Okay, I appreciate so like, that. It is Flamecraft two, and I can't. I think it'll appeal to both of you. I can't tell you a lot because I told him I wouldn't. <laughs> um, but so he, he was working on the lore for Num Hollow. So what he's so good at is like writing, making that story right behind it, and that's not my forte. So um, he they hired him to come in. He wrote this lore added in like character names and all this stuff. And I worked with him on it. Like, so we were like having phone calls and saying, I was like, okay, probably not to go this direction, but I do like this. And I would love to see this, you know, in the lore. And he pulled it off. So then I had to like make all new gnome characters, which was fun. Uh, I got to design all new characters and re-illustrate a whole bunch of stuff. And I just finished the cover. So it's very different from the prototype, but it's so fun to see them like, Actually, like showing off that original prototype, like crazy fun to see that that's yeah what they're showing off, which makes me happy. Anyway, sorry, I'm totally just rambling at this point. I apologize. No, this is this is all part of the story. It's all good. It's all wonderful. And thank you for sharing as much as you did. And I hope you didn't share anything you weren't supposed to. But yes, I really appreciate it. So thank you. And we should probably I'll let Josh do the wrap up of the story. But you did great. That was really really good. So you, yeah, I haven't talked for like I think in the last. 35 minutes has been you and Andrew. I've just been listening and enjoying. Well, as Andrew said, we're deep in the Gnome Hollow Ocean. We're going to go ahead and see what we see and talk about games we're looking forward to playing in the future. Ooh, Gnome Sharks. Now we got a game. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> Sounds like a sci-fi movie, let's be honest. <laughs> like a sci-fi channel movie. Bearded bearded sharks with a little gnome hat. I'm 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 intrigued. You know, Sharknado can go as big as it did. Like it has <laughs> this has legs. It, it, it does. I will I would play a Sharknado game too and a, and a gnome shark game. 
Josh missed it. Like the pun, this has legs. You're like, no, this is a shark game. This is fins. <laughs> I set you up, dude. I was almost he there. He totally did. I was almost there. Well, on the sonar, we're talking about one game we're looking forward to playing in the future. We're not going to be talking, even though I'm looking forward to playing Gnome Hollow, we're not going to be talking about that today. I'm going to be talking about Dread. Dread is an RPG. Mm. This is a role-playing game, of course, and the role-playing guy here. I do like board games, despite what people think. Mm-hmm. I do like, like I, I recently actually met Alan R. Moon in person. He's like, I forgot you're more of an RPG guy, right? I'm surprised you're playing board games. I'm like, I, I, I play a lot of board games. I just play a lot of RPGs, too. I'm a diverse gamer. But anyways, yes. Dread is an RPG that uses a Jenga tower to basically be a conduit for storytelling. So you make characters. Right. And in the character creation, you also tell about yeah. what your character fears. The GM will then take that and use that to incorporate a story. And based on what you want to do in the game, you draw a certain amount of blocks from the Jenga tower until eventually it'll fall over and that character dies. Whoever pulled the last Jenga block. It's a one-shot system. Uh, my friend Jordan at the Cape Fear Games where I do this kind of stuff is excellent at running these games. Hopefully this will be the first time I play it. It's going to be a Christmas-themed. He's making it like a Christmas, like Santa's Elves. But the thing, like the old movie, like the whole old movie, mm. the thing, the thing actually invades the North Pole and a bunch of elves try to stop it. So I'm, <laughs> okay. pumped, for, I'm pumped for it. But yeah, I'm looking forward to playing Dread. Emin, what are you looking forward to playing? Well, okay, so I put two games down. Is that allowed? Yeah. yeah. No. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. so I want to play Last Light because I think it's awesome and I love space. Like, it's my favorite, like. Thing. I don't know if you guys have played it, but it's getting good reviews and it's like pretty and it's got the little like planets and I gotta buy a copy. And then um the art project, which is the Ops new release. It came out a couple days ago. Yeah, as far as both those go, they're both gorgeous. They're both great productions. I would actually consider Gnome Hollow to be like the last light of last year, like really and truly. That was the one I was hearing about, and now I'm seeing it, and now I'm seeing people play it and people are blowing up about it, so it's great. Yeah. Um but it had the same kind of level of backyard buzz. Like people were talking about it behind the scenes before it was even a scene prototype or anything like that. And it got signed, snatched up quickly and now it's blowing up and doing great things. So hopefully that's the precursor to what Gnome Hollow does. And then with the art project, love the idea of that game, the art and the cover is gorgeous. It's just such a cool idea. I cannot wait to try that one as well. So both of those are great picks. I'm looking forward to playing planet unknown from Adam's apple games, which is the polyamino game. Yeah. I'm still kicking myself. I did not play at Geekway to the West two Geekways ago. Like really and truly when that was there, I was there and I was like, I need to play this game. I didn't get a chance to it. And then I couldn't find it. And then it was sold out and then it had to be one to be reprinted again. And so it looks like the reprinting has finally come through, which is great. And now it's on BGA so I can play it. And I'm so excited just be able to finally get to play this game. It's on my list too to play. Well, we've been down here in the Opsy. We've been here many times. <laughs> Let's go ahead and shoot back up the service and let, let Ammon get back to his feet. <laughs> is that a gnome octopus? <laughs> oh, pronounces, I think it's a nomo sapien. Ah, it's a terrible joke. Oh, sweet love. Ah, whatever. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I nailed it with gnome hello, so I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, with this, and Josh is going to edit out all these little little bad twists that we tried to put in that don't work out. No, it should stay. They're hysterical. People are going to be like, what is wrong with Josh? Uh, they already say, they ask that every time they talk to me.
Thanks for having me on, you guys. Seriously. No, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. We're glad we were able to get you on before you get super busy going to Germany for the spiel and stuff like that. My prediction. You're gonna I mean that's what Corey Thompson said. He thinks it's gonna be a spiel nominee, so Corey's hoping good, for you. Corey's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a really good guy. I worked for him, sadly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um if people want more Ammon Anderson in their life, what can they do? Oh, they can follow me, uh let's see here. I'm all over Facebook, I'm all over Instagram. Like if you search Ammon Anderson, it's pretty uh, there actually is another Ammon Anderson in Georgia, and he's also an artist, but it's not board games. So <laughs> um, you can also find me under Levity Games. Uh, that's sort of like my like brand for like releasing stuff, and you can find me on Etsy. So I'm also on, I'm on YouTube, but like I have like seven subscribers, so it's awesome. <laughs> it's almost like <laughs> us. Almost like us. <laughs> my. My like nine year old daughter was very impressed with my seven subscribers. She's like, hey. "Dad, you made it." <laughs> Take those brownie points, man. Well, it's been a pleasure being with you, Ammon. As always, my name is Josh. I'm Andrew. Oh, and I'm Ammon. I get to be part of the host group. I'm Ammon. Woohoo! Yes. And this has been Tabletop Summary. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the Tabletop Summary Podcast, please consider giving us five stars on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends, family, and other gamers in your life. See you on the next voyage.